Church, I just want to go on record right off the bat about, about what it is that Jesus actually intends for, for your life. Um, and, and this is one of those things that I'm, I'm coming at it this morning as a place of just wrestling personally with the thing that we're going to talk about today. Uh, what I had been preparing for today, uh, 9 p.m. on Thursday night this week, uh, got scrapped and uh, God said, go a different direction. And so Friday and Saturday, been scrambling. And it's something that I think I was magnetically drawn to first, just because uh, it, it's an area of scripture that I have wondered about, that I've always loved, but not really uh, pursued an awful lot of. And it's an area of my life that I, I'm currently dealing with. And so hoping that somewhere in the midst here, God will kind of connect some dots. But I, I need to say right off the bat that that Jesus intends uh, for you to thrive, uh, not just survive. And, and if you've got a relationship with, with Jesus, then he wants you to thrive, uh, not just get by, not just make it, certainly not just attend a worship service, and that's kind of the sum total of what it means for you to be a follower of Jesus, but he really has something entirely different in mind uh, for you. Um, now, when I say thrive, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you won't have occasional challenges or difficulties. What I'm saying is um, when, when he wants you to thrive and he intends for you to thrive, it's meaning that if you really know Jesus and what he's done for you, then you would experience his life at, at such a magnitude that it would come to bear on like every aspect of what you're facing, uh, the highs and the lows. It's one thing for you to experience Jesus uh, on the highs, the good moments, right? But a little bit more of a challenge at, at the low points. But for, for you to know that the full experience of walking with Jesus should produce a thriving in your life and, 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 and something that is really precious and really um, fulfilling and really satisfying. I, I believe that to be, to be true. And, and you don't have to, to just take my word for it because it's the one that, that said it was, was Jesus first. John 10 Verse 10 is, is the verse we're going to look at this morning, and it's kind of the heartbeat of where we're going. We're going to look at the whole passage, but here's, here's the heartbeat, and this is familiar to many of you. Uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so it's Jesus saying, I, I came so that you could have life to the full, so that you could thrive. Other translations say life more abundant. Is that an accurate description of you and your life right now? That you would say that it is really thriving, that you would say that, that you're experiencing what Jesus is talking about here for you. Some of you are going, yeah, I totally experiencing that. I got life to the full. I'll tell you what it's full of. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't, that's a nervous laugh right there. <laughs> but this is so, so many of us, 
I see Christian people, Christian people all the time walking around looking like they just sucked on a rotten lemon and at the same time saying, I love Jesus. He's the best part of my life and it's changed everything. I got so much joy I can hardly stand it. And I just want to say, awesome, but like tell your face because there's a big disconnect between what's going on in here and what your face is telling people. And so it's a, it's a challenge for us, even as followers of Jesus at times, to experience uh, a, a life to the full. And when he says life to the full, Jesus, by the way, isn't saying um, just a lot of life. He's, he's not saying, I have come so that all the junk that you have in your life, you will have junk abundant. Lots and lots of it. Now, the word that gets translated abundant or to the full is a word that, that means um, exceedingly more than you could imagine. It means over and above. It means superior in quality. Now ask yourself the question again, is that the life that you are currently experiencing as a result of Jesus getting a hold of you? That your life is superior in quality because of the person and work of Jesus and the relationship that you have with him. Is that accurate of you? I've been having to wrestle with, is that even an accurate statement of me? And I'm coming up, quite honestly, with no is my answer. And I'm not quite sure why it happened. Um, I'm not exactly sure if there was one particular moment that began to trigger this. But now that I'm looking back in retrospect, I'm seeing somewhere between the last five and ten years of my life, here is the perspective that I've kind of developed about life going on around me. And it's not a healthy one. My perspective is this. Life is bad, and occasionally something good happens. I'm a follower of Jesus. I love him with every fiber of my being. I love him. I love his word. I love walking in a relationship with him. I love walking in a relationship with you all. And still... Somewhere along the line, I have come to a perspective that says life is bad, sometimes good stuff happens. That is not what Jesus is saying here in this verse. It's quite the opposite. But what makes sense to me about this verse is the first half, not the second half. I get the thief. I get the thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Any of you familiar with the thief? And the the stealing, uh, the thief is the one that comes to steal from you, not give to you. The thief is the one that comes to uh, kill you, not breathe life into you. The thief is the one that comes to destroy every part of your world. And if he can, even destroy your heart and soul for all eternity, that you would be separated from God forever is the end game. And the enemy is all around and he uses circumstances. He, he can use 
people at times? How many times, how many people can you think of where, where you have felt them actually stealing joy from your life, stealing hope from your life? Uh, the enemy and those that he uses can steal truth from your life. The enemy and those that he uses can steal health from you. And kill passion, can kill relationships. The enemy and those that he uses can kill opportunities. The enemy and those that he uses can destroy your family, destroy your reputation. The enemy and those that he uses, left undealt with, can destroy your walk with the Lord. I get the enemy. Um, he's, he's rampant. And like you, I mean, I'm, I'm hanging with people all week long, and I hear stories all week long uh, inside the church and outside the church, uh, people that know Jesus and people that don't know Jesus that are heart-wrenching. I can't watch news for more than two minutes without being depressed by the state of what's going on around us, and it, to me, is just evidence, loud and clear, that there is a thief and those that he's using that are doing everything possible to steal, kill, and destroy our, our hearts and, and our souls. But I, I want to point back to the verse here. Who, who does the stealing and the killing and destroying? The thief. Not Jesus. I'm kind of wrestling for the, like some nice, clean application this morning that you walk away with. Um, but, but what I'm, I'm really refreshed by this morning is a renewed uh, distinction between the enemy and Jesus, uh, between the, the lost and the saved, between um, life and, and death. And I look at this and I go, okay, it's not Jesus, it's not God that is lacking here. It's not God's fault. It's not any um, deficiency on his part that's accounting for the lack of joy or hope or whatever. I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of people that the, the thief is using on a multiple times a day basis to rob me and rob people I love of some very key things, Christian or not. begs the question, though, who is the thief? Certainly the thief is our common enemy, the devil. But uh, to get the full scope of who the thief is, it's not just the devil. It's also those that he uses. Uh, he uses people around us all the time. And the ripple effects of how that ripples into cultures of people. And we only have to look to the actual passage, the actual context here. Uh, to see that Jesus, when he's talking about the thief, um, he's talking about, yeah, it's the enemy for sure, pulling puppet strings, but is he also talking about people um, that the enemy can get a hold of, which, by the way, all of us were at some point. Uh, without Jesus, we, we can all be used by the enemy to bring harm to other people, sin against other people, and the ripple effect in that direction um, can, can go on. If you have your Bible, look into John chapter 10. Open up there. 
Uh, because what you see here is really key for us. Um, first thing, if you read through this, you'd recognize right away that there's no break between chapter 9 and chapter 10. Um, there's no, uh, you know, the disciples then took a walk and ended up in a different location, and now a new set of events uh, takes place. There's no break between the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. It's the same day. It's the same people. It's the same scene, ongoing conversation. And what's happened at the end of chapter 9 is there's a blind man, and there's a discussion about what's made him blind in the first place. And there's some religious leaders of the day that are speaking into that. And these Pharisees that are, that are um, uh, kind of arguing the point, Jesus shows up, heals the blind man, and now there's frustration, anger, hostility about uh, the, the, the rescue and the, the healing that this blind man has received. It leads to a discussion about who's really blind here. Um, Jesus kind of questions the spiritual sight of all of those that are uh, around. I mean, it's a mixed group of, of people. And now to address the issue, Jesus is going to paint a word picture. It's, 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 not, a, it's not a parable. Um, this is just a, a word picture uh, that, that everybody would have been familiar with in his day. He's going to paint a word picture about sheep and shepherd. And in their culture, everybody knew sheep, everybody knew shepherds. And what Jesus is going to do, he's going to contrast himself as the good shepherd against false shepherds. I don't know if you're familiar with false shepherds. Uh, false shepherds existed in uh, Old Testament, New Testament. They still exist today. Uh, in this particular case, you got false shepherds that are kind of doing ministry at the expense of people. Uh, false shepherds can uh, promise something that they can't deliver. Uh, false shepherds are preaching it up all the time. Um, but if you followed what they did, it's leading toward death and destruction, not life and hope and healing. Uh, there's tons of false shepherds today. Amen? I mean, that, there's false shepherds in the church. There's certainly false shepherds out in the culture. They just rise to some sort of vocal prominence and broadcast messages about a better way to live that if you buy into hook, line, and sinker, then where it takes you is away from God, not closer to him, further away from real life and soul satisfaction and more toward destruction and tension and a whole lot of the things that we're seeing around our, our community and our country and our world today. Those false shepherds, they're still, they're still around. So he presses in about what good shepherd looks like. And uh, he says this in, in verses 1 through 4, and then we'll go to 5 and 6. He, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, uh, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. 
and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Very, very cool. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Sheep and a shepherd. Um, shepherding was, was hard, hard work. And if you've ever read about it or watched anything on it or heard other messages about it, uh, shepherding was difficult business. Uh, it was constantly putting the shepherd in jeopardy. Um, they were a protector of this particular flock. And so if robbers or thieves came, they had to put their life on the line for the sheep. If there were um, animals that would come in uh, to pick off one of their sheep, they would have to put their life on the line to protect their sheep from these animals that wanted to bring harm. Uh, they, they were in a constant state of vigilance. They had to always have their attention on the, the sheep. It was really relentless work, and it's an it, it's a, a, a exhausting work. Um, you're subject to the elements all the time. If it's hot outside, then you're hot. If it is cold, then you are cold as a shepherd. Shepherding was really, really difficult business. And you get a little bit of rest at night, and then herds from all over, each of whom had their own shepherd, w- would guide their herds to a sheep pen or a sheepfold. And it would be a wall uh, circled up with an entrance to it. There would be a door to it or a gate to it. And you would file in your sheep as the shepherd of your herd, one sheep at a time into the pen. And the shepherd, knowing their own sheep, would examine each sheep one at a time as they came in. Examine them for uh, something maybe that they picked up on their wool that might might hurt another sheep, uh, some damage that had been done while they were out in the pasture, um, any number of things that, that they just wanted to spend a little time. They knew their sheep and they cared for their sheep and they provided then protection for the sheep. They came into the pen, examined one at a time. Well, now what you had is a fold, a pen made up of multiple herds with multiple shepherds which you think would get confusing, except what they described here was true of shepherds. Uh, The sheep knew the sound of their shepherd's voice. They would not go to another shepherd. But if their shepherd called, boom, they'd all run to him. And so they would put these sheep in for protection. The wall is around them. And then they would hire a doorkeeper or a gatekeeper to keep watch overnight. Make sure no robbers came in, make sure no animals got in, and they would keep watch. Occasionally, if they couldn't hire a a gatekeeper or a doorkeeper, then one of the shepherds would lay down over the entrance of the, the sheep pen and literally use his own body as a blockade, being the first one to know if danger was coming to sheep that he was in charge of caring for. The question wrestles through here, what in the world is Jesus talking about? What's the pen? What is the sheepfold representing? And some people go, well, that's, that's got to be the church. I mean, it has to represent the, the church. That's the place where all the sheep gather. It's the, it's the family of God. It's believers. 
uh, that are all gathered together. Uh, the problem is, is that the, 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 the sheep come and go from the pen. And, and you come and go from this building, but, but you don't come and go from the family of God. You're a real believer. You've got a relationship with God through Jesus. Then you don't come and go from that. You may, but that may be an indication that you don't have the relationship with the good shepherd that you think you do. Because once you're a sheep of him, you've been called out. You know his voice. He knows your name. You don't come in and out of the herd, so to speak. Some people say similarly, well, maybe it's heaven. But it's the same sort of argument. The sheep pen, the sheepfold is not heaven because we don't go into heaven for a while and then come back. People have had near-death experiences where they see or experience something, but we don't arrive at heaven and be entered in and then depart. So what, what Jesus is talking about here is, is the sheep pen, the, the gathering of these sheep in the fold, it's Israel. And Jesus is saying... I I have come to my own people, my own Jewish people, and I am calling them out of just a religious system of Judaism, and I'm calling them into a, a relationship with me. There are sheep that are gathered in the pen or the fold of Israel, and I'm coming to them. I'm calling them by name, and I'm calling them into a relationship with me, their shepherd. And then if you read through more into this chapter, he says, and I've also got sheep in another pen, another fold, referring to Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And Jesus is saying, I have come to go into these pens, these folds, Jew or Gentile, and to call sheep out and into a relationship with me. The pen, then, is is anything that temporarily holds sheep that belong to God. What in the world is temporarily holding you if you belong to God and you're not uh, walking with him, if you don't really know him, if you don't have a relationship with him, what, what pen, what fold are you, you gathered in? What temporary holding place are you finding uh, protection? Uh, is it a person Uh, Is it a culture? Um, Is it just a religious construct? Or, in fact, do you know your shepherd? Do you really know him? If he he called your name, would you know his voice? He is the, the good, good shepherd. He describes what that looks like a little bit more in the next couple of verses. Jesus trying to explain what they're not piecing together. He said, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
Jesus is going to declare, I, I am the gate. Uh, John 14, he's going to say, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. Uh, anybody else trying to get in is trying to climb over a wall or get in from another direction. And Jesus is saying, that's not how this works. I, I am the gate. And then I love this. He says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. And so what happens is Jesus shows up and he says, I am the only way for your heart and soul to be shepherded. Uh, a shepherd leads, uh, a shepherd protects, a shepherd provides, a shepherd knows his sheep. And Jesus is saying, that's who I am. I want to provide for you. I want to protect you. I want to sustain you. And I am the gate and the shepherd. And so you, I have made possible for you to come into a relationship with me and then go out. You don't just come into a relationship with Jesus and then stop there. Jesus is saying, I I've taken care of what needs to, to happen for you to come into a relationship with me and find provision and protection as your shepherd. But now, I also know that as sheep, you're going to go out. You are now free. You're free from bondage. You're free from sin. You're free from your past. You're free from fear. You are free to roam the world knowing that the good shepherd, Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, is keeping watch over you wherever you go. And Romans 8 is the protection that every believer has. You get to the end of Romans 8 and you read that sometime about you being more than conquerors because of Jesus being the shepherd of your life. Neither height nor depth nor, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have protection from your good shepherd wherever you go. Don't just come in. Jesus is saying, now you can go. You're free to roam and I'm with you. And I'm going to guide you by green pastures and still waters. I've been wrestling so much with why don't I feel that way? If I know that's true, then why am I roaming throughout my day? Sad and struggling. Well, part of it is what we see every single day. How many sad stories, heartbreaking stories, heartbreaking relationships, difficult circumstances can we take? Because we also know Jesus described, was described as a man of sorrows. And so, I mean, he, he absorbed a lot of the, the pain and the difficulty that he saw around him. But at the same time, he's saying, I'm, I've come that you would have life. And what I'm saying is I'm coming to an understanding 
that I have dialed up the volume on the thief, the enemy and those that he uses who are stealing and killing and destroying, the volume on those people and that culture is so much louder than the Jesus that I love and I cherish, my good shepherd. He wants to shepherd me by his spirit and by his word. And it seems like sometimes it's such a faint whisper compared to the world. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And you got to know that that means more than just what he did at the cross. Yes, he laid down his life for you already so that you could even enter into a relationship with God. But he continues to put himself out there for us. He, he is still the good shepherd that wants to provide for you and care for you and restore you and replenish you. He wants to heal you from what was done to you or what you did to others that you can't get over. Thursday night, I went to a gathering here in town. Uh, There's some people that a little while ago started a ministry. Um, And they started a ministry for uh, pastors and missionaries and for um, parachurch organizations that that work with people a lot, uh, camps and you name it. Anybody that ministers to other people they started a ministry that ministers to them. And they called their ministry 1010 Ministries because of the yellow verse right here. Because they know that the tendency, the way that, that the enemy would have it is that everything about you would be stolen and killed and destroyed. But they also know that there is a good shepherd that Jesus is so much greater than the enemy. And he's certainly greater than any person that the enemy uses. And he's wanting to not just have his people walk around dejected and, and, and drained, but to have his people refreshed and replenished and living this abundant life to the full, superior in quality that would change the perspective on whatever your circumstances are. So they've been doing ministry. They counsel people. They take people away on these intensive retreats. These pastors and ministry leaders go away on these retreats. And one of the things they do is they go to California and uh, one of their leaders is a sailor. And so he, he takes them out on a sailboat knowing that sometimes it's awkward or difficult if you're just sitting in a closed room for a counseling session. Some people won't even step foot in that situation, much less find any sort of comfort if, if they do. But to instead, to, to be out on the open ocean in God's creation and on a sailboat and feel the wind and experience this refreshing scenery and maybe experience the refreshing creator behind that scenery as well and have conversations on the back of a sailboat, it has been mind-blowing how God has used that. 
It's a ministry, so they don't have much money. On Craigslist or something, a sailboat came up for sale, 35 years old, and it just looked great, but he had to go in person. Rushed out there. He got to the dock, and he went out on the boat, and it looked fantastic. Or as old as it was, it was in super good shape. And he was so excited because that this might, might be it, and it was super affordable. And so he said, can we take it out? Can we just take it out to make sure it doesn't sink because that's not going to help the ministry too much if we get out there and drown because they already feel like they're drowning. So let's, let's not add to that. They got out there, motor out a little bit, and the boat's still afloat. Like, this is good. And he said, would you mind just hoisting the sail? Uh, let's just cut the motor and make sure there's no holes in the sail. I mean, this thing looks good and it works. And the guy said, yeah, no, no trouble whatsoever. And he hoisted the sail. And this is what was on the sail. If you're not real familiar, sailboats don't all have 10-10 on the sail. And it was just the good shepherd reaching out to the ministry leaders first, ministry leaders who pour their lives into ministry leaders that pour their lives into people that do the work of the ministry. See, you're not off the hook. You're doing it just as much as anybody. But, but he knew, God knew, the great shepherd knew that these needed some encouragement because the stories that they hear on a day-to-day basis w- would break your heart. And it's almost broken theirs. And so when that sail got hoisted up, it was as if, as if the good shepherd hoisted a new truth that just said, hey, I am good. Life is not bad and occasionally good things happen when you have the good shepherd calling the shots or speaking into whatever it is that you're dealing with. I am very good for you and I'm going to be good for any person that sits on this boat under the banner of 1010, abundant life, life to the full, superior, in quality, sort of life that only comes through having Jesus as your shepherd. I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. All I know is that you are supposed to understand more and more every single day just how good Jesus is and not confuse him with the thief. He's not the cause for anything that you have lost or feeling sad or broken about. He is the source of what will bring healing and restoration. So let's get to know him and pursue him and worship him with everything that we have got. And when we roam, he will be with you. He will protect you and he will provide for you. And so, Father, we ask for you to do that for us right now. We ask for you to minister to the Christians in the room. The Christians in the room who uh, are very familiar with everything that thieves do. And the abundant life, the life to the full that you talk of seems like such a distant ideal fairy tale 
turn the momentum around, Lord. As you, maybe you just need to call us into green pastures and still waters and slow us down and allow us just to rest and allow you to search through our heart and pick through our our body and our mind and see what's injured and hurting and we position ourselves around you and your word to go to work on us. Heal us up. Remind us that when we roam out there that you are providing us with everything that we need and you've protected us, I am sure, from things that we don't even know that you've protected us from. We thank you for that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know him as your good shepherd, Lord, right now I pray that you would call their name and that they would hear your voice and know that it's you. And that they would walk right through you, the gate, the door, the shepherd. And you would forgive them and rescue them. You'd provide for healing and restoration. And allow them to walk through tomorrow and the next day and the day after that knowing that there's nothing that you wouldn't do for them. We look forward to the day where all of this life abundant is at a whole different level than what we're talking about while we're here on earth. So Father, we just stand for just two minutes as we wrap up to declare out loud our need for you put that truth as a, as a prayer on our lips. Thank you, Jesus.